Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. God bless you. And, uh, and all the moms that are watching online at missionchurch.com. And to my mom who's watching online. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Go ahead and greet somebody as you're being seated. Shake a few hands. Tell somebody God bless you. Tell somebody you're welcome. And welcome to those of you who are joining us at Mission Church Online. We're so glad that you're with us today for Mother's Day. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, if you're new to our church, we're so glad that you're here today. My name is Greg Johnson. I uh, have the privilege serving here as lead pastor. We are so blessed that you're here with us today. Amen. Well, today on this Mother's Day, I want to talk about hope from Hagar for the weary mom. Hope from Hagar for the weary mom. Now, I don't mean weary in the sense that being a mom is too much work or too demanding. I know that moms are the hardest working people on the planet and they love what they do. But weary in the sense that as kids get older, things may not have turned out or are turning out the way that you had hoped or that you've expected. Weary in that sense. And I believe that through the Scriptures, this woman, this mother named Hagar, has a word for us today. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21, and starting in verse 9. It says that Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. Down to verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bowshot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. So this is a, a message for moms who may be struggling somewhat. Because as I said, things have not turned out the way that you expected. Now Hagar was a mom. And, and if you know the story of Hagar, which we'll get into in a moment, you may feel a little cynical about how she became a mom, but that's not the point. The point is, she's a mom. She's a mom. And like any mom, she has hopes and she has dreams for her child. And after all, his father was Abraham. Now, Abraham, Ishmael's father, was a powerful man. He was highly respected in his day, 
even somewhat legendary in his time. The Bible talks about how he raised up an army of 300 skillful men who fought against five armies at one time and defeated them all. Genesis chapter 13 says that Abraham was a very wealthy man in gold and silver and in livestock. And livestock was actually the true measure of a person's wealth in that day. He was known all throughout the region by by the kings in the land. He was known by Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He was known by Abimelech, king of Gerir. He was known by Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem and also known as the great high priest of God. He was known by the unnamed king of, of, of Sodom. I mean, here's Abraham, this rich, wealthy, powerful man. He's hanging out with kings and the high priest, right? He's a man of fame. He's a man of power, of resources. And Ishmael is his son. And surely Hagar, Ishmael's mother, had high expectations for her son because of his father. Surely his father would bless him. His father would favor him. Surely, she would think, his father would, would ensure that his life was healthy and prosperous. But instead, here we see Hagar, she's heartbroken. She's disappointed. Because things didn't turn out the way that she expected. Ishmael, estranged from Abraham, his father, wandering in a desert. No food, no water. Hope seems to be gone. So moms, if you're here today and things maybe haven't turned out the way that you had hoped or had expected, or if you you see things trending in a concerning direction, if you're weary, disappointed, Hagar has a word for you today. And, And it's not that you're disappointed with your child. You love your child. You're proud of your child. Amen? Right? Disappointed in what life has done to your child. Hagar was not disappointed in Ishmael. She was disappointed in Abraham. She was disappointed in the skin of water that dried up. She was disappointed in the the desert in which they, they found themselves. She was disappointed... In, in life, what, how life had happened and how now it seems like her, her son now is a, is a victim of the circumstances, the situation around him. So maybe you're here today and you're a little disappointed in what life has done or maybe even what you perceive your heavenly father has done or not done for your child. Your son, your daughter is not where you'd like them to be spiritually, physically, emotionally, Financially, you had hopes, you had dreams, and uh, things are not as you expected God would do. So I want you to listen to some lessons from Hagar, who I think has a word for the weary, maybe the discouraged moms today. So let me back up and give you a little more context here to this story. Hagar was actually a slave girl. And her mistress was Sarah, the true wife of Abraham. Sarah was unable to have children. And uh, in that culture was devastating for a woman. And, and, and it is today as well. So Sarah came up with this plan 
to somehow try to restore her value and her credibility as, as a wife. And she has this plan for Abraham to have a child, not through her, but through her slave girl, Hagar. I know it's not a great plan. Everybody say, not a great plan. Okay, Not a great plan, but Sarah was desperate, right? And so Abraham, I mean, you know, he just went along with the plan. Uh, and Hagar had a child together. And the child's name was what? Ishmael. And uh, things really got interesting in this drama, in this soap opera, when Abraham's true wife, Sarah, actually gets pregnant. She ends up being pregnant, and she has a son named, what was her son's name? Isaac, right? So Isaac and Ishmael were half-brothers. And one day, Sarah walks in to find Ishmael picking on his little brother. Can you imagine such a thing? An older brother picking on his little brother, right? Taunting him, making fun of him, right? I can't even, I mean, I, we raised four sons. I can't relate to that. I have no idea what that's like. So Sarah walks in and she says, okay, we're not, having, we're not doing this. Okay, we're not having Ishmael, my, my slave girl's son, make fun of my son, the true heir of Abraham. So she went to Abraham and she said, it is time for Hagar and her boy to go. Right? Now Abraham loved his son Ishmael. And he didn't want to send him away. But God spoke to Abraham. In fact, it's, it's seen in the verse that I skipped over in the introduction, verse 12. We see the conversation between God and Abraham where God says, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. That's a word from God. I could just preach that, couldn't I? I mean, that right there. Wow, that would be a great message, right? God said to Abraham, whatever your wife has told you to do, do it. Listen to her voice. Come on, all the ladies, say it. Listen to her voice. But that's not my message today, so knock it off, all right? Listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, through Isaac that my promise to you will be fulfilled, not Ishmael. Yet, now look at this, verse 13. Yet, I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. And so now, because Abraham heard from God, it says, as we read in verse 14, that he rose early in the morning, took bread, and a skin of water, put it on her shoulder, gave it and the boy to, uh, to Hagar, sent them away. And she departed, and she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So off into the wilderness now, into the desert, goes this mother and her son. Imagine the sight of Hagar and young Ishmael walking through these, this, this endless desert, just sand dunes, the heat of the sun, beating down upon them, the burning sand under their feet, completely, utterly alone, walking through the desert. No people in sight, no villages, no streams of water, nothing. Just two lone figures trudging through the hot, blazing, dry desert. And then verse 15 says, The water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She went and sat down across from him at a distance 
about a bow shot, she said to herself, I can't, I can't bear to see my son suffer. I can't bear to see him waste away. So she sat opposite him, lifted up her voice, and wept. Lesson number one. God always has a plan for our kids, even in the wilderness. Hagar had a plan. She had an expectation for her little boy. She expect, her expectation was that Abraham would make him a prince, wealthy, powerful, favored, that he would never starve. That was never her plan. That he would never wander in the dead. That wasn't her expectation. That he would never want, never thirst. That his life would be rich and fulfilled. And, and, and why? Because Abraham was his father. His provider. The one who promised her that her son would be blessed and carry his name. And so she had promises from Abraham. She had expectations from Abraham. She was standing on his word. She wasn't making this stuff up. This was the plan. This is why Sarah came to her and said, have a son with my husband. This is the plan that your son will carry. This was her expectation. But now... All her expectations of Abraham had failed. Abraham was not doing what she, what, what she thought he should do. And all of her hopes and all of her dreams for her son dashed. But get this. It was her, it was her expectations of Abraham that failed. Not Abraham. It's an important distinction. It was her expectations that failed, not Abraham. Abraham didn't fail. Abraham was doing exactly what God told him to do. Why? Because God has a plan. Remember verse 12. God said, listen to Sarah. Send him away. And I will make a nation. Hallelujah. I'll make an... You're not going to understand it. You're not going to be able to figure it out. All you're going to have to do is lean on the fact that I am God and I have a plan. Even in the wilderness. But she didn't hear that. She didn't, she didn't hear verse 12, verse 13. She didn't hear that. Abraham, as far as we know, it doesn't show there was a conversation there where he said, listen, Hagar, God showed... No, he got up in the morning, took the flask of water, put it on his shoulder, gave him the boy and said, you're out of here, your time is up. There's no record of a conversation where he explained what he knew God was about to do. All she knew was she's leaving now, and Abraham has led her down. Now she's out in the desert with a son who lost an inheritance and lost his place in his father's house. And there might be some moms that are here today. Things are not working out the way you expected they should work out in your son's or your daughter's life. You took them to God's house, just like you, were, you, you knew you should. You taught them God's Word. You, you lived a godly life. But now today, you're struggling. You're weary because they're not in God's house anymore. They're wandering in a spiritual desert. And you feel let down by God. And you don't get it. It doesn't seem to make sense. You believed His promises. The promise says, train up. Proverbs 22.6, train up the child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not... Depart from it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household, right? You, you stood on those promises. You, you brought 
him or her to church. You prayed the prayers. You, you taught the Scriptures. And you feel a little bit like Hagar this morning, struggling because your child is out in the wilderness. Making choices. Hanging out with certain people. Doing things that you would rather they're not doing. And you're saying, why, God? But learn from Hagar. God has a plan. God is sovereign. Amen? He has said things over your son, over your daughter, that you don't always hear. He has a plan that you won't always see this side of eternity. Plans for a future, a hope that He has designed over your child that you don't understand. We don't understand it. Why? Because God doesn't explain Himself to us. He's sovereign. That's what sovereign means. Sovereign means I don't owe you an explanation. That's basically, that's the deep theological term. If you were to study it out, that's really what it means. I don't owe you an explanation, right? God has said, I will make a nation of the son of the bondwoman. God has a plan. Amen? Yeah. I remember I got a phone call one day. I'm in my office. I got a phone call, and it was from a brother who attended our church a long time ago. They had since moved. They living in a different state. long time ago, and he was very upset with me, if you can imagine such a thing, a guy calling me and being upset with me. And, he, and the reason why he was upset with me is because his daughter was not walking with the Lord. And he was mad at me because he said, according to him, that he had done everything that I had taught him to do as a father. Bring your child to church, teach him the word of God, pray over, pray over, you know, missionettes, children's church, all this stuff, you know, Sundays, do what, he said, I did everything that you taught us to do as fathers, as parents in the church, and my daughter is out there in the world, and she wants nothing to do with God, and he was mad at me, he was mad at me, he was mad. <laughs> I never had a phone call like that, he was blaming me, I don't know, and I said, brother, I said, listen, listen, don't lose hope. For your daughter. There's always hope. And, and you know what I did? I started to share with him a little bit about our journey with, with our daughter. And some of the choices that she had made and some of the things that she got involved in. And, and, and how we went through a period where we were not really um, happy with the direction that she was going in her life. And as I began to share that with him, he, started to, he actually started to break. And he, and he was actually feeling like there was something wrong with him. That's really what his anger was. He was kind of just acting out. He thought there was something wrong with him, that he did something wrong. And when he heard that, that, that even the guy who was giving him all the advice and preaching all the messages was having challenges with his own family, it brought comfort to him to realize there's a bigger, there's a bigger picture going on here. There's, there's something bigger that's going on. That God doesn't always work things out in our timetable. So we prayed together, hung up the phone, and you know what? About a month later, he called me again. A month later, same guy calls me again, and he says, I just, I had to call you back and tell you that our daughter came home and reconciled with us. God always has a plan. Doesn't always work on our timetable, on our calendar, or our expectations but God had a plan. Now here's the thing that, that we need to be aware of. Before it gets better, 
it may get worse. <laughs> That's good news, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I know I'm not the happiest preacher to listen to on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day. But listen, this is the second lesson. It may get worse before it gets better. Okay? Genesis 21.15 says the water in the skin was used up. It's bad enough he was rejected by his father, wandering the desert. Now the water dries up? Hagar captures for us the plight of some mothers, parents, fathers too, who are watching their kids suffer. I've cried with moms whose sons are on drugs, sat with parents whose daughter is getting an abortion. I've agonized with parents whose child is going through gender transitioning. Yeah, Christian, godly parents, right? Absolutely. Other moms, dads, children moving in with a, with a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend or, you know, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever it is. Not walking with Christ, not interested in the faith. Kids that say, don't even talk to me about church, don't even talk to me about your Jesus, your Bible, that's not for me, I don't want anything to do with it. It's as though the water in the skin has dried up. It's as though all of the residue of your faith that you have imparted to them has just dried up. What you have given to them, what has been put on them, what has been provided to them has dried up. It's like there's nothing even there anymore for them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today or is this, I'm just preaching to myself, Right? No, it seems like there's no presence of God in them. It seems like there's no interest in the things of the Spirit. It seems like there's not even any conviction, no draw, no pull of the Holy Spirit, right? There's even an anger in them against God or against the family, a resistance, a, a mocking spirit. The water has dried up. Everybody say, the water has dried up. Maybe it's because of things that have happened to them, or maybe it's because of choices that they've made for themselves, but they're in a wilderness like the prodigal son. How many remember that story? Wasting the inheritance, right? Spending everything that they have, all of their talents, their goods, their resources on riotous living, and now they're hanging out with the pigs, eating pig slop, right? But Hagar wants to remind us today that God always has a plan. The wilderness, listen to this, the wilderness that your child in, that you're in with your child right now, the wilderness can have a purpose. Can you say purpose? We serve a God of purpose. He's not a random God. He just, he's not just making it up as he goes along. He's a God of purpose. God can take what was meant for evil and he can turn it around and use it for good. Not just but for you, but for your child. All the promises that you heard and you spoke over your child, your son, your daughter, when they were four years old, seven years old, eight years old, they still apply now at 32, 27, 46. They still apply. Hallelujah. Right? Listen, some of the Bible's greatest leaders came through a wilderness, a place of hardness, of aloneness, of adversity. Moses, wilderness. Joshua, wilderness. Joseph, wilderness. David, wilderness. John the Baptist, wilderness. Who else? Oh, Jesus. Remember that one? Wilderness, being tempted by the devil, right? It's all part of the process. Do you remember the story of, of the mother of, the, uh, of James and John? Remember that, that interaction she had with Jesus? She came to Jesus and she said, she said Jesus, I, I have a question. I want you to grant what I request. <laughs> 
You ever start a prayer like that? <laughs> I want you to grant what I, what I request, right? She says, grant that my sons, when you come into your kingdom, will sit on your right hand and your, and your right hand. She wanted, that was her prayer, right? She had high hopes for her kids, high expectations. Surely, Jesus, you will make sure that my kids are healthy. Surely, Jesus, I can trust you to make sure that my kids are going to be prosperous and successful and have good school and good marriage and good career. And everything's going to be fine, right? That's what she was basically praying. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, woman, you don't know what you're asking. I mean, he understood her end game, but she, she was forgetting about the process. She forgot to recognize that every person has their own journey to the cross. Every person. And your child and my children, they have a journey that God brings them through to make the faith their faith. Not your faith, not some residual, you know, flask of water on their shoulder. No, no, no. He's trying to bring them to a place where they discover who Christ is in their life and that Christ puts a well, a reservoir of His Spirit in them. Hallelujah. So they have a relationship with them, between them and God, not, not you and God and them. See, God needs, he needs to remove you from the picture somewhat. How many here know what I'm talking about? So that that it's not you trying to control them and force them and push something down. He needs to bring them on a journey through their wilderness to get them to a point that He has for them in His purpose. Hallelujah. And it's a process. That's what Jesus was saying to John and James' mother. There's a process you're overstepping. And it's a process that involves a cup that they have to drink and it involves a baptism that they have to endure. The cup to drink is the same cup that the Father gave the Father, Jesus' Father gave Him to drink in Gethsemane. What was it a cup? A cup of betrayal? A cup of humiliation? A cup of rejection? A cup of crucifixion? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, He said, before I can get them to that place, there's a cup they have to drink. I can't just make a promise to you. The baptism to endure, it, it corresponds to His baptism into death through the cross. His burial in the grave. We're talking about a complete transformation. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's a process of transformation that I have to bring them through, and it takes time. It takes, I know you're you're, you're praying and you're expecting it to change next Tuesday, but Jesus is saying, You don't know what you're asking, Mama. You don't know what you're asking. I have a plan that I'm working, I have a journey that I have to bring them through so that the faith becomes their faith, not your faith put on their shoulder. And the wilderness, the wilderness is often the the place where God does that work. Look at what Ishmael became, verse 13. I'll make a nation, he says. God says, I'll make a nation of the son of the bondwoman. And it's the wilderness that did it. Fast forward to verse 20. It says, he grew and dwelt where? In the wilderness. Ishmael. The wilderness ended up not becoming, not, it wasn't his destruction, hallelujah, it was the place now where once God started to do a work in him and, and, and started to grow him and change him and mold him, the wilderness became a place where he was able to function and to live and to dwell. God was using him in the wilderness. He became an archer. In fact, verse 16 says that the sons of Ishmael, they owned towns and settlements They were called 12 princes according to their nations. Ishmael became a father of nations. Hallelujah. Her son, Hagar's son, 
would be a great leader, incredibly prosperous, a successful man. That's what she was raising. But it wasn't going to come her way. And it wasn't going to come the Abraham way. It was going to come the wilderness way. What does that mean? That means we have to get used to the idea that some of our kids are going to have a journey through the wilderness. And some of your kids are on a journey through the wilderness. But don't despair. Don't lose hope. There's hope from Hagar today that God has a plan even in the wilderness and it might get worse before it gets better. And look at this, verse 21. This is probably the best part of the whole story. She got to pick out a wife for her son. But before that could could happen, there's one more thing that she had to do, and I'm going to draw this to a close. Verse 15, the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot and said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him, lifted her voice, and wept. I want you to to get the analogy here. She, She placed him under a shrub, left him there, walked away, sat down, and wept. She came to a point where she realized, I've done all I can do. There's nothing more I can do for this child. I've given him all the water I had to give. I've given him all the bread I had to give. I've carried him as far as I could carry him. And so finally, she found some shade, and she said, there's nothing more I can physically do for this child. So she just put him down, and she said, I'm going to let him go. Everybody say, let him go. This is the third and final lesson. Let go and let God. You've done all you can do, Mom. You've trained them. You took them to church. You prayed for them. You put the Bible in them. You put a Bible under their arm. You've chased worldly people away. I mean, you've wrestled the wolves as much as you could wrestle the wolves and protected your son and your daughter. But you can't, listen, you can't make them love Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. The Holy Spirit does that. And at that point, where you've done all you can do, you've just got to let go and let God. So she laid him under the bush, and she let go. Everybody say, let go. you got to let go. We've been there in our own family where we've had to just let go. Just take your hands off. Stop trying to pressure and push and force, amen, and condemn and criticize and point out everything that's wrong and why they're having so much troubles because you're not doing what I told you. No, no, no. you got to let go. Amen? Stop trying to force water down her throat. Just let go. Right? Our, Our daughter left our home at a young age. Married a young man that we were not really excited about, okay? What did we do? We let go, okay? When our sons went into the military, our first son went into the military, special forces training, Green Beret, Afghanistan, a bunch of other countries over there, you know, what do we do? <laughs> let go, Put him, leave him under the bush, and cry out. That's what she did. She cried out. Hallelujah. Right now we have a son, another son. He's over there in Europe, over there in, in Germany. And we, we have no control. What are we going to do? I mean, I, you know my wife. If she could, she'd be, she'd be on a plane. Over, she'd be over there right now. Forget about it. She'd be right there, right? <laughs> she'd be in the tent right there with him. But you can't do that, can you? 
Every one of you moms would do the same. If you could follow your son, your daughter around and make choices for them, you would do it. But you can't. Say, I can't. I can't. But what can you do? You can let go and you can let God. That's what Hagar did. She just laid him down and verse 16 says she lifted up her voice and wept. How does that correspond to us? Weeping up to God. Crying out to God. That's what you can do and it matters. Have you stopped praying? That's the challenge today. Some of us, we've been good at the letting go part and realize, but what about the crying out part? Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Amen? Grandparents, don't stop praying. You know that you, you had to take your hands off a long time ago. You're seeing what's happening in your grandkids' lives. You know there's not a whole lot you can do there, right? But prayer, hallelujah. Prayer? Prayer? What you can do is have direct access with God, with the sovereign authority of the universe. Amen? Crying out to God. And what's interesting, let me ask the worship team to join me up here. What's interesting, just after Hagar lifted her voice to God, it says that her child began to cry out too. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? When she started lifting up her voice, something started to happen with Ishmael. He started to cry out too. And it says in verse 17, God heard the voice of the lad. God heard the voice of the lad. Our kids need to learn how to cry out to God for themselves. Just like the prodigal son who was there with the pigs in the mud eating slop. He realized, he realized how far he had drifted from who he was created to be. He realized it. The Bible says he came to himself. What are we praying? We're praying for a come to yourself moment. Amen? Where the Holy Spirit opens eyes and opens ears and opens hearts. And that young person, that young man, that young woman begins to realize truth. Realize truth. Don't stop praying. Your child's on a journey. It's their journey. And sometimes it means they're going to suffer in the wilderness and hit bottom. But they've got to go there. They've got to get hungry. They've got to get thirsty. They may have to suffer. But while they're doing that, you can't control them, but you can pray. You can pray. Amen? Amen? Let's stand together. Thank you, Father God. We know, Lord, you never give up on our kids. Hallelujah. Lord, you never give up, God. You never give up on our kids, God. Never, Lord. Lord, they could be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. You never give up, God. You never give up, Lord God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up a hand and say, Lord, you'll never give up. Lord, you never give up, God. You're faithful, God. You never give up, Lord God. You have a purpose. You have a destiny, Lord God. We're trusting you, Lord. We're trusting you, God. Come on, lift up your hands. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, the rock on which I stand 
giving birth. Lord, that, that labor of giving birth didn't end with the physical birth. It continues on through their spiritual journey. The labor continues, Lord God, that Lord, you will help them through the labor to give birth to your spiritual purpose in the lives of their sons and their daughters, Lord God. Bless the moms, we pray, and we thank you, Lord. We love them and we honor them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we give the Lord a thanks for his, his goodness, for his word. Amen. Amen. God bless you, moms. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. Keep praying. Keep praying. You're Ishmael through the wilderness in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And uh, be blessed as your, as your husbands and your kids dote on you all day long. All right.